0: Welcome to The History of the Christian Church, Season 1, with Lance Rolston. This is the fourth episode in a mini-series that we're calling The Long Road to Reform. It was late spring of 1490 when a Dominican friar stood at the gates of Florence. This was not the first time that the 33-year-old Girolamo had made the 160-kilometer or 100-mile trip from his native Ferrara to the city of the Medici's he'd lived for a spell in the city. The Florentines admired his scholarship, but they had been put off by the vehemence of his preaching, and they had a hard time adapting to his unusual accent. But now he returned at the invitation of Lorenzo de' Medici, Lorenzo the Magnificent, who virtually owned Florence, and to whom he'd been recommended by the famous philosopher Mirandola. Girolamo Savonarola joined the Monastery of St. Mark began a series of lectures for his fellow friars. Soon, others joined the sessions, causing them to relocate to the main hall. The lectures turned into sermons. By the Lenten season of 1491, Savonarola's growing fame saw him invited to preach at the main church there in Florence. Short on tact, Savonarola lambasted the decadence of the city's rich, of which there were not a few. Lorenzo de' Medici was especially displeased. Who did this upstart think he was? He'd only come to Florence at Lorenzo's invitation. This was no way for a guest in his city to act. Medici hired another preacher to attack Savonarola. It failed since the people sided with their new preacher. He'd become their champion in decrying the exorbitant luxuries of the wealthy. The mercenary preacher refused to accept defeat and went to Rome to plot his revenge. Savonarola was then elected as the prior of St. Mark's and within a short time reformed the life of the community so thoroughly, that the people of Florence all remarked on how holy the order had grown. Savonarola sold off some of the monastery's estates and gave the proceeds to the poor. His reputation was unimpeachable. Though bitter enemies, when Lorenzo lay dying, he asked for the prior to come and bless him. Lorenzo's successor was Pietro de Medici, who promptly lost all respect from the Florentines. The French king, Charles VIII, was on his way to claim the rule of Naples. Instead of organizing the defenses of Florence as he ought, Pietro tried to buy him off. The Florentines were furious and sent their own embassy under Savonarola. They expelled the now hated Pietro and settled with the French by becoming allies. Though Savonarola was technically just a monastic prior, he'd become the civic leader. The Florentines asked him to design a new government for them. He recommended a republic and installed reforms to heal the ailing economy. He gathered a good part of the gold and silver of the many city churches and sold it to feed the poor. This was the high-water mark of his term. History regards Savonarola as a religious fanatic and an ignorant monk. He certainly was not. He was simply someone who understood that the church and Italian society had gone very far from the biblical ideal. What Savonarola was, was an anti-politician. That is, he had little to no capacity for compromise, which is doom for anyone engaged in civil politics. Savonarola was unable to distinguish between rules and principles, between non-negotiables and his own opinions. As a result. He was on a collision course with the very people who'd put him in power. Savonarola believed that study ought to be at the center of Reformation. So the friars at St. Mark's studied Latin, Greek, Hebrew, Arabic, and Aramaic. He railed against the luxuries of the wealthy, placing them all under the rubric of vanity. These vanities he railed were a distraction that weakened the soul and made it prone to sin. So it is urging the people of Florence regularly gathered a pile of such vanities up and would set them ablaze. First, a large pile of wood was erected in the main square. Under it was placed straw and kindling, sprinkled with gunpowder. Onto the pile, people would put their vanities. Things like frilly dresses, jewelry, wigs, and ostentatious furniture. Amidst singing and ceremony, the entire thing was set ablaze. A bonfire of the vanities. These bonfires replaced the traditional celebration of carnival just before Lent, something else that Savonarola had banned. His reforms were echoed in the surrounding cities. When Florence's rival Republic of Siena requested Savonarola's assistance, he went with 20 fellow monks to engage in reform. They arrived and went to work with them. The first order of business was to clear house in the monastery there. When some of the expelled monks resisted the reforms, Savonarola decided Well, If they weren't going to go along with his plans, he was leaving. He had far more luck at Pisa and the monasteries that were scattered around Tuscany. As we might expect, Savonarola's downfall came about because of his inability to play the political game. Alexander VI, one of the worst of the popes, made an alliance against France that included a good part of Italy, Germany, and Spain. The smart move was to join the pope's party, but Savonarola insisted on keeping his promise to the French. The Pope responded with severe measures against Savonarola personally and against all of the city of Florence. These measures were largely economic in nature. When the Florentines realized that they'd lost a great deal of trade because their pastor was being stubborn, opposition towards him grew. The city became increasingly fractured between supporters and opponents. On the opponent's side were most of the wealthy. His supporters declared that Savonarola was a prophet and demanded that he begin performing miracles for them. When something that he had foretold did come to pass, they grew even more enthusiastic. But when he failed to perform the required miracles, they turned on him. A mob marched on St. Mark's to apprehend him. Savonarola refused to defend himself. And he forbade his friends, resisting the mob lest an innocent be harmed. He was then hauled to the city square where he was beaten and turned over to the authorities, some of whom had longed for this day for years. This was it, the civil showdown. The authorities had to find something damning to accuse him of. To elicit a confession, he was tortured for days. But the most that they could make him confess to was something he'd never claimed to begin with, being a prophet. The Pope sent legates to assist in the trial. These also tortured Savonarola. All that they could obtain was an admission that he'd planned to appeal to a church council. Savonarola admitted that he'd been too proud in his calls for reform, saying, quote, Lord, even if Peter, on whom you had bestowed so many gifts and graces, failed so thoroughly, what else could I do? Unquote. Despairing of finding charges severe enough to execute him, the judges condemned Savonarola and two friends as being heretics and schismatics, without identifying what heresy they espoused. They were turned over to the civil authorities to be executed, because again, the church can't kill. The only mercy that Savonarola received was that he and his friends were hanged before they were burned. Their ashes were then thrown into the Arno River, flowing through Florence. That was considered the height of infamy, because by scattering one's ashes, there was nothing left to remember them by, and so no place that people could mark a memorial and keep their name alive. In spite of this, there were many of Savonarola's supporters who kept his relics. And I have been to Florence, and I have stood at the little memorial on the paving stones in the main square where he was burned. Years after his death, when Rome was sacked by the Germans, some saw it as the fulfillment of Savonarola's prophecy. To this day, there are those in the Roman Church who argue that Savonarola was a saint and that his name should be added to the official list. As we end this shorter episode, I want to again thank all of those that have given a like to the Communio Sanctorum Facebook page and who have written a review on iTunes. Thanks for joining us at Communio Sanctorum. We really appreciate your listening and subscribing. Listeners are invited to like the Communio Sanctorum Facebook page and to write a review in the iTunes store. For both Facebook and iTunes, search for History of the Christian Church. Looking forward to joining you next time.